0: Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to the Heart of Poker sponsored by 888 Poker, a podcast that looks into the personal side of the poker personalities we often see on our screens. I use a modified list of the questions from the 36 questions to fall in love study developed about 25 years ago by psychologists as part of an experiment to see if they could make total strangers fall in love with this kind of a shortcut for getting to know someone on a deeper level fast. And my guest this time is poker pro bracelet winner and coach Ryan LaPlante. He is currently 19th in all time caches for the World Series poker at 166 caches. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. I saw recently you hit your 13th World Series of poker final table. Has it gone up since then?
1: Uh, No, nope. Number 13 is it. Uh, this recent online series I've had. I want to say 12 caches with three final tables. So it's been, it's been pretty good. Nice. Um, it's nice to be making some progress on things, so mm-hmm. I'll certainly take it. Uh, I would <laughs> like Bracelet 2 a lot. That would have been amazing, but I, yeah. you know, it's, it's nice to put up some consistent results, and I really, really, really appreciate you having me on here. Um, it, this sounds like a lot more uh, interesting of an approach than <laughs> I've seen to other interviews, so I'm certainly excited for it.
0: Oh, I'm glad you're on, and I don't know about more interesting, but it's definitely different. I mean – We're kind of digging into people's personalities and getting to know people. I find that when I'm interviewing people for the World Series or for, you know, whatever other kind of poker broadcast, I mean, I obviously only get like a minute to at the most, maybe three minutes, and it's usually about poker. So this is kind Mm of my chance to get to know people. Um, So yeah, so the questions are broken into three different sets. They get progressively more personal as we go through. Are you kind of ready to dive in?
1: Yeah, cool. I'm ready.
0: All right, let's start with this one. Do you believe in love at first sight?
1: Hmm. I would say no, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I am a romantic at heart. I really am. And, uh, I mean my uh, so my husband and I, uh, we got married two months ago and Oh congratulations. Uh, thank you very I much. I thought you'd been
0: married for a while, so congratulations. Or, sorry,
1: three months ago now. <laughs> and uh we uh we've been together though for twelve years. Yeah. And uh you know, I still, you know, very, very, very vividly remember first date and I was, oh. you know, pretty head over heels pretty, pretty much right away. Right. So part of me, yes, but like, I feel so in order to like, truly love someone that you actually have to know who they are. Yeah. And while, you know, you certainly can be, you know, a- attached or attracted to someone right away, you know, first impressions are incredibly important. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, love is, you know, is something to some degree, at least built on hard work, you know, an honesty on mutual respect. So I would say no, but also I don't have any kids. And, (laughs) you know, I'm sure you as a mother knows that, you know, love at first sight is certainly very, 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 uh, very doable in that sense. I just think that Mm -hmm. like, you know, romantic love is something that takes time and effort and is a lot of hard work. And You know, while I would like to say yes, just because I am (laughs) at my core romantic, I really have to say not really.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think the older I get, the more I think that is very true. I mean, that kind of electric, like you say, either attraction or even infatuation with someone as a person, not even just how they look, but you can see someone and in their face, you can see something incredibly compelling. But to actually love someone, I think you're right. It has to do with who they are, their character, how they react Mm -hmm. in different situations. And, you know, that takes time for sure.
1: Yep, definitely. Yeah.
0: So talking about being a romantic and having just gotten married, Mm -hmm. um, did you especially after having been together for such a long time did you find ways to make that a very romantic kind of meaningful day I'm guessing obviously yes but can you tell me a little bit about that if you don't mind
1: so uh, we had wanted to get married a while ago so mm-hmm. I per- we were we were engaged for a long time uh, I want to say we were engaged for like eight years yeah so uh, so we've gotten engaged actually uh, the engagement uh, so we both kind of knew that we were planning on getting engaged you know we'd actually we'd picked up the rings and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And we kind of had like the same type of idea. We were like, we had like a really nice date night planned. And uh, before the date night, we went out to Mount Charleston. And there's this uh, observation area where you can see out to the desert and see for like 20 plus miles. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely gorgeous. It's very serene. And, uh, you know, we were going around to Mount Charleston and then we got off there and uh, but before we left uh, to go to Mount Charleston, I'd known where the rings were and I had uh, tried looking for them to put them into my coat pocket <gasps> oh. so I could propose uh, up on Mount Charleston and I couldn't find them. So then I went <laughs> uh, I went through his his stuff and found the rings in his pocket. Oh. And I took them from his pocket. and then uh, when we were at that observation platform, And, uh, I saw him reach into his pocket and look confused. And that's when I got down on one knee and proposed to him.
0: Oh, that's really beautiful. And how in sync you must be at that moment to have both thought of it for, for then, especially after Mm -hmm. eight years of having been engaged. Cause I mean, I remember, I think when you got engaged and kind of, it was announced and I just Mm -hmm. assumed that you were already married. That's why I was like, Oh, three months ago. That's
1: yeah. I didn't expect that. (laughs) So what ended up happening was, uh, so we had spent like the, First four years together, essentially traveling back and forth between Canada, the Midwest, Las Vegas, mm. and Mexico. Right, And I, I think the longest we were in place at any point was six months and it was in Canada. <sighs> so we were just traveling a lot and doing tons of things. And then he wanted to go to school. And uh, if we weren't married, school was free. So...
0: Put that ah, off. Yeah. That
1: put us off a couple of years. And then we're finally like, okay, hey, we should probably get married. They're like, well, or we could buy a house and use the money. Yeah. <laughs> so then we <laughs> bought a house. And then finally, we're like, you know, five years had passed. And we're like, you know, we should probably do this actual marriage thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then we we booked the venue. We did all the invites. We sent everything out, you know, lots of handwritten letters and everything. Mm-hmm. And COVID.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I wondered if that got yeah. in the way. Yeah. So
1: that kicked back another couple of years so (laughs) now now we're here um and the the wedding was it was uh yes it was romantic but it was more it was more fun um and that was kind of like the atmosphere that we wanted to go for Mm -hmm. um i know that you are also a trek fan and we Mm. actually did a star trek themed wedding
0: oh my god (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, we were married by a, a Starfleet officer. <gasps> she did a fabulous job. Um, wow, at this sci-fi themed chapel. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, it was really really cool. I I really really enjoyed it a lot.
0: I am um, absolutely blown away.
1: you yeah, will have to have. I'll uh, send you pictures of Please it. Please uh, do after. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was man. very nice.
0: That's incredible. Um, yeah. Wow. So
1: it was nice to finally get that done. Um, I mean, obviously, like. Getting married itself doesn't necessarily I feel as though it doesn't change really too much about our right. relationship or anything like that. But more just like for me about having the legal protections and being for considered sure. next of kin is just so, so, so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the romantic in me also just like saying, you know, I have a husband, husband. Now instead of just <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> wow. That's incredible. And please do send me those photos because I am, like you say, I'm a massive Star Trek fan and I, excuse me, I actually threw a party once. I'm getting all emotional just thinking about it. Um, I was dating someone named Kirk who Hmm. was a pilot, funnily enough. And when he became a captain, I was like, my God, this is the party I was born to throw. (laughs) I had to throw a (laughs) Captain Kirk party and I was in absolute heaven. (laughs) So I think it was more for me than it was for him, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, so. um,
1: That's uh, pretty amazing.
0: I kind of felt like it. Yeah, it felt like kismet, I gotta say. Um, Okay, so for what in your life do you feel most grateful?
1: Uh, Definitely my husband. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, you know, it's a little cliche, but like, poker the industry like the game you know playing tournaments for a living all this stuff it's very very difficult like it is yeah incredibly 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 difficult i don't even mean playing the game i mean playing the game is incredibly difficult itself but like everything else around the game and industry makes things so much harder like you could be an absolutely top tier elite poker player mm-hmm. and not make it like yeah. so much of the industry is built around everything else and on top of that, you know, if you don't have, you know, let's say you do put in all this time and effort and work and you have everything going right for you and you're running well and things are going great. You don't have someone to, sh- you know, to share it with. What's, right. you know, what's the point?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, not to say that, like, you know, you can't share it with other people or you can't share it with your family or have close relationships or friends or anything like that. I'm not saying you need to share it with a partner. I'm just saying that, like, not having others to share in your joy and success just mm. makes it so much worse uh actually uh, one of my favorite authors a guy by the name of spider robinson um he, his his most known quote unquote book series uh, is called callahan's bar and mm. it's about uh it's just about a bar in New York City or New York area. And it's uh, has aliens and all those other things. Oh, anyways, uh, one of my favorite lines from the book is about how uh, shared joy is increased and shared pain is lessened. And I, Mm. you know, definitely live by that, that, you know, if you can, if you have others to actually share, you know, your trials and tribulations with it just makes the things that are difficult so much easier to bear and the mm-hmm. things that are amazing just that much better and you know without my husband i i doubt i would have you know made it to the point where i am in my career but also you know it you know he gives me someone to share this with and make it actually worth doing
0: right and yeah and and as you're saying poker even the lifestyle can be quite difficult cuz you do yeah. especially if you live in a place where you can't play online and you have to move around you have to be able to go and kind of follow the games you're you know going to be in Vegas for the series for a certain amount of time actually having someone who kind of understands that in a way and can live it with you you know without it kind of interfering with their own life it's pretty special and i think poker players who have that are incredibly lucky to have that
1: yeah that kind definitely. of support yeah Yeah, Yeah. I'm definitely very, very fortunate to have that. I mean, so we uh, so we started dating uh, October of 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, That means Black Friday happened, (gasps) you know, six months after we started dating. And uh, and I turned 21 uh, seven months after we started dating. And (laughs) uh, the month between Black Friday and me, I was living in Wisconsin. um, It's where he grew up And the month between me black friday me turning 21 was just me just incessantly going through two plus two forums watching Mm. a quad jacks radio listening to every podcast and everything about all the black friday stuff and just waiting for uh so the actual minute that i turned 21 i was uh waiting at the doors to walk in Potawatomi casino and start playing live cash for the first time to actually start grinding and uh that you know that 2011 was my first WSOP and I knew that I was going to be playing like pretty much a whole schedule for and uh, I wanted to play cash in order to get prepared for playing live because before Mm -hmm. that I was an online grinder. I mean I played some live um, and I definitely enjoyed playing live but there just weren't that many options um, and you know Mm -hmm. I couldn't play in the state of Wisconsin so I just had to play online Um, and then when I you know I went down for my first World Series on my first final table uh, it's actually a kind of a sick final table as I was, I won the uh, the unofficial final 10, t- uh, nine out of 10 or eight out of 10. Hmm. The time we got nine handed, I was chip leader. And then I took eighth. Oh, and the difference between eighth and first was like $450,000 or something. Wow. It was an, like, yeah, it was a really yeah. big difference. And uh, looking back at that, taking eighth place was probably like the absolute best thing for me. Because mm-hmm. like, it was enough of a successful jolt that it, you know, allowed me to convince uh, my then boyfriend, a husband to travel with me and yeah. you know, try to make things work. But also it was like, and it was like enough of a bump that it gave us a little bit of a cushion and like all that jazz. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't such a big jump that I all of a sudden had six figures to my name to blow through. Because right. I think if I did that, I might, I definitely was not mature enough to to handle to handle it and I definitely might have blown through it and might have been a very bad thing for me at the time right. so having that like taste of success and uh anyways uh, uh so I have a good series and um at that point we'd only been together like seven months eight months and mm-hmm. uh I was like you know I still want to play poker for a living but the only way I really can do this is if I head up to Toronto so I can get access to the on- online sites you know all and uh after we'd, uh, after we'd been together just over a year, we moved together to Toronto for six months. And the only time he had lived out of the state of Wisconsin was the year that he went to Iowa State. Wow, Not that's a college.
0: big move.
1: Yeah, after being together for yeah. <clears throat> only a year and both being 21 years old. Wow. So, yeah. So the fact that we managed to survive through that and, you know, we, we spent the next few years just traveling back and forth between... Canada, the Midwest uh, las Vegas, Mexico, um mm-hmm. doing like some big international trips for me to play online, doing like all these other things, and you know it's a lot to you know go through a relationship, putting it through those types of of stresses, mm-hmm. but uh yeah, I'm d- definitely very fortunate that it turned out well,
0: yeah, okay, well, let's switch gears and talk about your family a little bit now. Um, next question is. Uh, if there's anything that you would change about the way that you were raised, what would that be?
1: Um, no, I don't think I would. So my, uh, my biological dad, uh, he's, uh, he was, uh, alcoholic, druggie, you mm-hmm. name it. And, um, when my mom and him had, uh, first gone together, I think he was like fine, but as a relationship progressed, he got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, while obviously that's not great um we uh let's see here. we'd been living down in phoenix and I was like I don't want to say when I was like 4 years old and then we moved up to Minnesota end of age 4 start of age 5 and uh my mom had started a, a video store in a small town called Royalton Minnesota um very 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 small town like 1000 people uh north central mm-hmm. Minnesota and um while we were very, very poor and barely getting by, um like I remember some winters, not uh like we were living in a trailer or park, mm-hmm. and I remember winters where we were being warmed up by the stove, so yeah. like you know we we were definitely really struggling, and uh then my mom met my stepdad um when I was seven, um and they're still together, they've been together you know twenty five years now, nice. and uh he's. A very self-made person. He grew up dirt, dirt, dirt poor. Um, and while uh, he has been very successful in real estate, you know, growing up, I didn't get an allowance or anything like that. Like I had to earn everything. <laughs> um, you know, I was started mowing lawns for him at age, I don't know, probably eight or nine. Um, by the time I was like, you know, eleven or twelve, if a lawnmower broke, I had to fix it myself, take it entirely apart and put it fully back together. Um, started doing like you know, carpeting and drywalling and laying ceramic tiles and doing all that stuff as a young teenager. And, you know, as a teen, obviously, you know, you're doing all these things that, you know, the people, all the guys I was working with around me were making very good money off of and I'm being paid, (laughs) you know, a couple bucks an hour for it. right? And obviously, you know, that frustrated me. But like, you know, looking back at it, it's you know, why I am a very self-motivated, independent person is that, you know, I had to earn everything growing up. And, mm. you know, not to say we, you know, we did have nice things and we did do nice things. You know, we do vacations most years. We had a sailboat that we essentially rebuilt from the ground up um, ourselves. Like we did tons of really cool and very interesting things. I was in civil air patrol from ages, uh, essentially 13 to 18. Um, I soloed in an air, I soloed in a glider at age 15, soloed in powered airplane at age 16. Wow. Um, so like gone on search and rescue missions. I did all this stuff as a teen and, you know, a lot of it, you know, some of it, I didn't really appreciate that much, but a lot of it, I, you know, it really gave me a lot of like, self-discipline and confidence and gave me a lot of leadership skills and all these other things and these really cool, unique life experiences that have really helped me be the adult that I am today. Not Mm -hmm. to say, you know, I still wasn't, you know, an obnoxious teen and have struggles as early 20s as as I feel so pretty much everyone does. But more just that it helped build the foundation to what I see as my overall character and approach to life. And that, you know, The fact that we had struggles, too, um, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was very young, really made me appreciate even more so when we were doing a lot better. And, you know, it it's a lot easier to appreciate what you have now when you've had to struggle so hard for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now with all of that kind of in your in your backstory, what would you want most out of your life? Like what when you get to the end of your life would make you think, yeah, I did that right. I lived right.
1: That's a tough question to answer. <laughs> um, the nice thing about kind of like the way that I view a lot of things in life is that, you know, there's uh nihilism, nihilism. How do you,
0: mm-hmm. so I mean, there's like say nihilism. Yeah.
1: Nihilism. There we go. I, I think- yeah, yeah. Nihilism. That's, that's great. Uh, that like, a type approach where you have this, like, you know, nothing really matters. Yeah. To me is kind of true. Mm. And that kind of makes life even more beautiful because since nothing really matters, then whatever matters to you is all that really matters. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of things like, <clears throat> you know, people, can have like certain things that they're deeply passionate about and care a lot about. And to me, like each of those passions, and and whatever they desire to do, and whatever goals they strive to have, to me, as long as they don't negatively impact others, I think yeah. they're all very valid. You know, all I care about is having, you know, is being able to do what I love and I enjoy and having a positive impact on others. Right. Um To me, that's a life well lived as as far as like, you know, what that looks like at the end, you know, it's just me constantly trying to improve to be a better person, better poker player, a better husband, you know, better friend. And that's, you know, really, it's all I really have. And I don't know, like, you know, what the next, you know, hopefully 50 plus years will bring. But, you know, I it to me, it doesn't really matter as long as I'm doing my best to try to make myself and those that I love happy. Hmm. So to me, that's a life well lived.
0: Okay, well, what does friendship mean to you? Do your friends tend to be more people from like your growing up years? Or is it more from poker?
1: Um, Definitely more the people that we surround ourselves with more recently, I do. Mm -hmm. I definitely have some friends from like college and stuff. Um, That I'm still pretty close to, but the vast majority of my friends are more, you know, poker players or people we've met over the last handful of years. Mm -hmm. It's just it's. It's much easier to have strong relationships with those that you're around consistently um, and to work on and build those foundations. Also, you know, I'm a very different person now than I was in my teens. So Mm -hmm. I feel a lot of those, you know, and everyone should pretty much have that as well. Yeah. So I feel so that it's just it's much, much easier to cultivate your more recent relationships. That being said, um, my husband, he is still very, very, very close with his core group of friends from high school. They still play games together online, like one to two nights a week. Um, And, you know, him having those types of relationships from that far back, I definitely mm-hmm. am a little jealous of that. It's just it's, I am. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a very cool thing to have. Um, yeah. in fact, actually for, uh, for his birthday, uh, last year, um, so, you know, uh, vac- vaccines came out mm-hmm. what, February of last year and uh, or at least started being more publicly available. And I messaged all of his main friend group from high school. And I was like, Hey, I know no one's traveled in the last while, but Chris's, you know, 30th birth- or 31st birthday is coming up. Um, do you guys want to all fly out to Vegas and do in person land party and do all these other things? Hmm. And I organized everyone to fly out here. And I only told him about it three days before people arrived. So we could get the house ready and so they could make plans together for a couple extra days. So it was a complete (laughs) surprise up until only a few days before Um, and everyone flew in and it was a very really cool experience. Um, But just like everyone was so down to try to like make that work and they they all really did. It was it was it was absolutely great. Um, So I'm definitely jealous of having like relationships that are that strong that could go that far back. Mm -hmm. But also, like, we have a lot of friends in Vegas. Um, We we're like, we're the couple that like, push everyone to like, or like, we organize things. We have people over like most Friday nights, we host board game nights, you know, pretty consistently (laughs) as well. Um, You know, we let people stay with us all the time. We like do our best to cultivate our friendships and relationships of, you know, the the people that we care about. And uh, we really enjoy hosting and doing that type of stuff. So I think it's because of that, that like, most of my, you know, good relationships in terms of friendship goes are all, you know, here and in and in Vegas. right? Um, and I've definitely had like, you know, some relationships not go that great over the last, you know, year or so um, mm-hmm. through, you know, various reasons. And uh, to me, like the only thing that I really truly care the most about in my friends is that like they show that they care too, Um, you know, that if they make a mistake, or, you know, if they do something that's wrong, that they, you know, apologize for it. that, Mm -hmm. you know, things to me showing, you know, doing things like, you know, getting you birthday gift or wanting to go do things with you on your birthday, (laughs) you know, things like that, just like things that just show that they think about you or care in any capacity. To me, like, that's what I care about the most in friendships. They don't need to necessarily, you know, be as all in as Chris and I are with, you know, with our relationships, Mm -hmm. but like just showing that they care to some degree and that, you know, they're willing to reach out and do things like that. To me, that's like what great friendships are built around.
0: Hmm. Okay. The next question is a bit more theoretical. Um, If you had a crystal ball that could tell you the truth about anything, it could be about yourself, your life, your future, your past, anything at all. What would you want to know? Hmm.
1: I don't know. I mean, I could go the Douglas Adams art. what is the answer to life?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the answer always is 42. A
1: that would be uh that'd be pretty great. um honestly I don't know um Hmm. it feels like that's one that I'd have to think about for
0: yeah um, okay because
1: there's like there are a lot of things that like you know things like knowing you know when you were going to die like I feel like that would be mostly a negative thing like it'd be good to know that you could like plan things out but also like then you have that would be all you think about yeah exactly or even things like you know, what if there's, you know, is there intelligent life in the universe, you know, even things like that? Are there other, you know, mm. it'd be like, yeah, it'd be great to know. But like, I don't think you would achieve anything. Uh, yeah. Maybe something like, more altruistic, but would also make a lot of money. Like, you know, how do you create fusion power, things, something <laughs> like that would be right. probably more useful. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, mm. yeah
0: it is a tough one because some people might think i mean there'd be all kinds of things they would want to know about i don't know past relationships or friendships people probably some people in poker might even want to know about the jack forehand personally (laughs) i think that one is (laughs) just (laughs) better left completely on the other side yeah Yeah. i I don't i just i just think that like
1: uh, maybe I guess I would cheat a little and say, what is the question I should ask? And what is the answer?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Still two questions. I'm not sure it'd work, but it's a good idea. It's a better, the best one I've heard so far. Um, well, is there anything that you've been dreaming of doing and you have not done yet?
1: I mean, we really want to travel Europe. So mm. pretty much almost all of Europe. I, uh, there's not like the only Europe trip uh so we've done a couple uh i i played in the ept ground final one year mm-hmm. um i accidentally won my way in i nice uh, yeah <laughs> it was on uh poker stars and there was this like frequent player point satellite like stage 1 i thought it was going to overlay and it was like hyper turbo and it was at the end of my session so i hopped in mostly cuz i thought it was uh, it was overlaying it was a 500 frequent player point satellite to a uh, 2500 to a 5k to a 25k, mm-hmm. and then in the 25k, it had like I don't know three or four hundred entries, and the top two got packages. So mm-hmm. I went from 500 freaking player point satellite wow. up into a 25k, and then uh, finished in the top two out of 400 people to win a set. <laughs> yeah, so wow, yeah, so uh, it was a pretty cool trip. Um Definitely never want to go back to Monaco. Uh, but oh, really? Yeah, no, not a big It definitely
0: of. affects people that way. Like, it's a big divide, either that you love it or you just hate it.
1: <laughs> it's just like, I felt as though that they didn't care about us in any capacity unless we were uber wealthy or spoke mm. spe- that specific type of French. And we weren't. <laughs> so they just... It just was it didn't feel very welcome. It was gorgeous. And seeing like the F1 setup through the city was Mm -hmm. so cool. But like like going to Germany, that was an incredible trip. Japan was absolutely amazing as well. Um, I would love to go back to Japan. I'd love to see pretty much just all of Europe. There's so little in Europe that we've been able to do so far. So that and uh yeah, I just you know, if I can get some success over the next handful of months and we, mm-hmm. you know, can afford to April or May, I would definitely like to travel, Most, you know, at least do a couple week trip. And mm-hmm. um, we've been thinking of doing like a trip where we do like Venice and Rome and then go down to Greece and, you know, Lovely. spend like four or five days in Greece and then come back home type
0: thing. Mm. So, well, you yeah. are due a honeymoon. So yes, yes. Don't we leave it the eight years <laughs> because you'll regret that.
1: Yeah, we haven't done a honeymoon yet. So it'd be nice to do a trip like that.
0: Nice. Okay, well, let's talk about your life and the way you're living it right now. If you were as a terrible question, but if you were going to die suddenly, and you knew that was is there anything that you would change about the way you're living your life?
1: Um, I would get a very good life insurance policy. So my husband (laughs) would be fine.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. Okay, fair enough.
1: Um, Beyond that, No, I mean, I guess I would sell the house and travel. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to be able to see the world and stuff. There's, you know, so many places we haven't been to yet. So just that Mm -hmm. travel.
0: Okay. Well, how about this one? Have you ever been genuinely terrified?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. Um, Okay. I've had a couple very close calls. Uh, One was I was flying with uh, my Mom and stepdad. Um we're flying from taking off from Brainerd, going to flap to Duluth. Um, and uh we have a I want to say we were in I think we were in a Piper Cub. Um small single prop airplane seats mm-hmm. like four people. Um and when flying, the most dangerous parts of flying are taking off and landing. Right. Um and the reason why taking off is dangerous is because if your engine stalls out, And you go down, it's very difficult to have a super safe landing.
0: Right. Um,
1: And landing, of course, is dangerous because, you know, so many things can go wrong. So we're, you know, we're taking off. We get like, we're maybe like 100, 200 feet off the ground, if that. Um, So we just taken off and my mom's door opens. Oh, my God. Um, Apparently she thought she had latched it fully and, you know, either latch hadn't caught properly or whatever. And when the uh, and because of the way the, that air pressure works, it sucked the door out. Oof. And when it sucks the door out, uh, we dove down to the right. We like, we went at a pretty steep right angle. Right. And if honestly, if I was flying, we would crash. Like I, Oof. there's, I would have been 0% able to save that. But, uh, my stepdad, I mean, he's been flying for 50 years, was a flight instructor for like 20 plus years right. and he was able to save us. So that was terrifying. Um, wow. and then the other time was, um, uh, it was our first major sailboat trip. Uh, so we, uh, stepped out when I was like, I want to say 12 years old or so right around there. Uh, he bought a sailboat, um, called a, a CSY coastal sailing Yacht. Um, mm-hmm. they're built for ocean sailing, um, like pretty common type of boat to, if you're like down the Caribbean, um, or like along the coast of Florida, uh, 40 foot long, um, couple inch thick fiberglass hole, very heavy, very, very big boat. Um, it has a, like, I want to say it has like maybe nine foot draft. Uh, it's like how far the, the, uh, the underneath goes, goes in, into the water. So it, it sits deep in the water. Um, and if you batten down the hatches in it, it's supposed to be able to survive a, uh, category three hurricane. So mm-hmm. they are tanks. <laughs> However... Uh, so, uh, so my stepdad, he bought it after it had like, s- s- the previous owner had been like transporting it and it fell off the transport and got pretty messed up. And then it sat in like a garage for like 15 years. And that's when we bought it. And we owned it for like three years before we even put it into the water. Cause we did all the work ourselves. Um, all of it, rebuilt the engine, make, you know, redid the hull, redid all the woodwork and stuff on it all of ourselves all pretty much all by hand too mm-hmm. and uh we go on our first major trip and we're going from Duluth Minnesota to uh Bayfield Wisconsin um it's about two day sail uh, sale each way and our way out we run into some issues and then when uh we like had one of our main sales uh had like came down and had a small tear in it um we'd gotten it fixed when we we're in Bayfield. And we're leaving Bayfield and, uh, or on our way into Bayfield, our engine, like. Decided to just like kind of explode on us. It like shot oil everywhere and just kind of gave up and died. And, uh, we thought we had it mostly taken care of and mostly fixed. And, uh, we had spent like four days in Bayfield, getting everything up and running and operating properly. Cause we wanted to go further along and actually do a big trip and as we're leaving Bayfield, uh, we have an engine fire, uh, like one of the wires short and the oil that had gotten everywhere from before. We thought it cleaned it all up, but there's still some residue left. So we're finally like, you know what? We're just going to go home. <laughs> so <laughs> we're uh, we spend another night. Uh, we decide to come home and we're coming home on like uh, an engine that doesn't really work and sales that they're, they're, they seem to be perfectly fine, we thought. And um, we're leaving the Apostle Islands to go to a small town, coastal town called Cornucopia. From the Apostle Islands to Cornucopia, it's maybe, I don't know, five, six hours by sailing if you're uh, getting some pretty good speed. And uh, we knew that there was like a storm front coming in, but we knew Mm -hmm. it was like a ways out. And since the storm front was coming and we were getting like really good wind and really good waves. So we were just hauling as far as this boat goes, we're probably going, I don't know, 10, 12 knots, which mm-hmm. for a sailboat is you are cruising. Yeah. Um, and we're getting really nice sustained winds. Um, I was actually below deck. I had my feet up against like the edge of the kitchen table, and I was like reading a book in these like five-foot waves with these big winds, and I was just taking it easy. And all of a sudden, I hear this like big whooshing sound, and apparently we got hit by a straight-line wind off this uh off this storm. It was mm-hmm. probably like a 50 plus mile an hour gust. And the sail, like when I was le- had my feet leaning up against the table, when that wind hit us, I was almost standing entirely on the side of the table. That's how far over it was. And I don't know how close the sails came to touching the water, but I was assume that it was very, very, very close. And while the sailboat, if you have the sails in, if it goes on, like if it rotates and goes underwater, it's yeah. automatically built to flip back up. Like mm-hmm. it just comes back up. That's why it's like it's perfectly fine in a hurricane. Yeah. The issue is, is if you have the sails up and the sails touch the water, you go down.
0: Right. And yeah, they, uh, yeah. That and makes while me feel so sick.
1: Was yeah. And while we were on Lake Superior in you know July, you go into the water, you get hypothermia in like five to seven minutes. Like right. You, yeah, you can die very, very, very easily because it is very cold
0: deep <sighs> water
1: yeah so that was definitely terrifying um like when the boat popped back up i knew that we immediately need to get the sails down so i started to come up the the steps and we were like rotating uh (sighs) and then like almost went down the other side i get back up i like get out of like the uh, down below i have this uh when we went down like the second time the main sail started to rip and when it started to rip these like ropes started flying everywhere get like bashed in the back by a rope and hang on do it It was it was a crazy trip that's terrifying yeah so i would say that those two moments were probably uh two of the scariest i've definitely i've I've had some really close calls with like you know almost getting into major car accidents and things like that right those two were definitely the most you know if something goes a tiny bit worse, you know, yeah. don't make it type thing. Um Oof. yeah. That's yeah, that's definitely are, yeah, two of the two of the worst.
0: Yeah. Like when you you finally get the boat back to land and you're all or you know, the water calms or whatever it is and you kind of look at each other, like what do you say when you've just gone through something like that? I suppose your parents are probably trying to make sure that you know their kids I mean are calm I feel and- so
1: that like I mean, I, I don't know what they said to each other. But like, I don't know. It, to me, it seems like we all kind of knew how, you know, how how uh,
0: close you came.
1: Yeah, how close we came and that, you know, how, how uh, much more careful we need to be in the future when it, right. with regards to like sailing and things like that, because like right. now these days, like if there's like a 15 or 20, if there's like a 15 plus mile an hour wind and you're out on and we're out on the boat. Like, yeah. We're getting ready to bring the mainsail down to half mast or taking the jib. Right. Or, you know, we're, we're much more, you know, competent, careful sailors. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I think it was more just like, that was probably more of a, oh, we need to make sure we know what we're doing before we do major trips like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a really good lesson. It's, I've had moments like that as well, where you're like, oh man, like just a a hair the other way, this could have gone so badly. And from this moment on, I will be so careful in this particular thing. And it's, I mean, that's how people learn, I guess, but Mm -hmm. it's a pretty dangerous way to learn. So
1: yeah. For me, like having those types of experiences, like. I've never really felt as a, you know, most people like go through life to some degree thinking as though they're somewhat invincible and Uh like having things like that happen when you're very young really gives you a more healthy perspective on things like, yeah, if I don't do something properly, I could get very sick or I could die. You know, I should listen to doctors about things. I should take care of myself. I should protect myself. I should, you know, do all these other things. And Mm -hmm you know, it's definitely made me more appreciative when I do have things go well.
0: Right. Okay. Well, what's the last time that you cried either in front of another person or by yourself?
1: Let's see here. Um, Oh, uh, so this is a uh, kind of a long story. Um, So my Like I'd mentioned before, my bio dad, uh, not the best person by any stretch of the imagination. And um, so he was starting to get pretty bad, apparently. And my mom kind of knew that they were most likely splitting up. And my mom was pregnant at the time. Mm. Um, So I have a brother who is uh, a year older, a year and a couple months older. Um, I was born. And uh, so my mom was pregnant at the time. And, uh, she, she was perfectly fine with having abortion, but like her family and his family didn't want her to get one. And he was mm. kind of against it too. And, uh, I found out, uh, about six and a half months ago that I had a 31 year old sister.
0: Oh, wow. that is a
1: full blooded sister too. I found wow. out only yeah six months ago.
0: Have you met?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So let if you me don't mind me continue. Asking, I, this is, know, is pretty gonna, personal. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, the, the lead into the story was so I received a message on Facebook six and a half months ago. Mm. Hey, I think my mom is Rebecca LaFleur. And I was like, wait, what? Wow. And honestly, when I read it, I burst into tears. It was just like such an emotional thing to read. Wow. And uh, I... Called my mom after getting the message and was like, hey, what happened? And then she told me this story. Oh, um boy. so her and his family, they didn't want her to get an abortion. Um, so they messaged some friends and they found through a friend that there was a couple um uh, living in, I want to say Pennsylvania, um, and they'd been trying to adopt and they really wanted to adopt a baby. Um, so uh when she was ready to give birth, she flew up to Pennsylvania and they were in the room for the birth. Mom. So uh and uh my mom knew that like, you know, being a single mother with two kids is, you know, incredibly, 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 incredibly difficult. And adding mm. a third baby to have kids at age two, age one, and a newborn oh as goodness, a single yeah. mother would be, yeah, impossible. And like honestly, like I looking back, I would definitely say it was definitely the correct decision. Like I said, there were definitely moments where we were very, very, very poor and uh, barely got by. And if she'd had a third mouth to feed a third child to to take care of, you know, who knows, you know, how much worse things would have been or what would have happened. Um, and so, uh, so she messages me, I call my mom, get told all this information. And then she and I start talking and get to know each other. And, uh, uh, so we have so much in com like so much in common. It's it's pretty ridiculous, actually. I've more in common with her than I would say with my <laughs> brother in a lot oh, of wow. different ways. Yeah. Um, like our favorite one of our favorite TV shows is The West Wing. <laughs> like <laughs> some of our favorite podcasts are the same. Favorite books wow. are the same. Like it's pretty eerie, like how similar we are in a lot of different ways. Um. Uh, So she actually she really got into doing uh, political work um, Uh through her passion of the West Wing, um, as well as shows like Star Trek and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, she first worked at the State Department interning, and then um, she's a project manager. um, And so the reason why she had reached out to me then was she had given birth recently uh, four months before. So I also found out, uh, that day that I'm an uncle, which was pretty wow. amazing. Yeah, pretty. Yeah. It was a pretty wonderful day. Not going to lie. And, uh, so, so we started talking, getting to know each other and she said she was still on maternity leave and, um, may and like may and poker, there's like almost never anything going on at least right. in the U S side of things, at least Vegas, there's like literally nothing ever. And she said she was still on maternity leave. And I was like, Well, I'm not doing anything in May. So so then uh, Chris and I flew out to Washington, D.C., spent four days there and I got to meet her and her husband and see my niece. And yeah, it was it was amazing. It was absolutely
0: incredible. Awesome.
1: Yeah. So, you know, during uh during COVID, I lost some family members and it was pretty mm-hmm. rough and gaining family members was it was pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. What a, what a gift to be able to find someone and to be able to be part of like her life and her child's life and the family yeah. and the whole thing. And for them to be part of yours as well. Like, wow.
1: Yeah. It's, it's very, very, very cool. Not hmm. not going to lie. It was a wonderful experience. So yeah, that was the last time I cried.
0: Yeah. I can understand why <laughs> it's a lot of emotion in that. Thank you so much for being so open. Uh, I, I really, really genuinely appreciate it. That was actually, that's, all of my questions. That's all of our time. And, and yeah, I've just really enjoyed getting to know you as a person, you know, not just a poker player with stats and, (laughs) you know, hand histories and all of that. So thank you for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. I feel so things like being open and honest are really important. Um, Mm -hmm. Just, you know, as a person, as a player, as, you know, as a coach, um, I just feel that like, in an industry that's filled with a lot of the opposite. It's nice to have, you know. It's nice to just be as open and vulnerable as you can be. And like, yeah, it can yeah. lead to, you know, people not being the nicest about things or, you know, whatever. But like, sure. I just feel so that having openness leads to a much healthier and much more fulfilling approach to life in general. And that yeah. if more people were open and vulnerable, then we would have a much healthier society in general. And that yeah, we'd
0: probably we'd see a lot more off. of our similarities too, because I mean, people are a lot more similar than they are different. So
1: <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Thank you very, very much for thinking of having me on. I really, really do appreciate it. And I'm glad we have yeah. this wonderful conversation.
0: Oh, thank you too. And thanks everyone for listening as well. I hope you all feel like you know the person behind the cards even better now. And please join me next time on the Heart of Poker sponsored by 888 Poker.